All rise! Welcome to the Motorsports Ministry. For all your hot takes and news around the racing world, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, and more. All right, congregation, take those seats. It's time for the man, the myth, the legend, the Motorsports Minister, Mr. Armani DePaul. Big changes to the Formula One grid this season. Nick DeVries of AlphaTauri, he's out. In comes Daniel Ricciardo, the former Red Bull and McLaren driver. And as for that Red Bull part, this will be the first time since 2018 he'll be driving a Red Bull-affiliated car. And this is the first time since, I believe, the 2013 season that Daniel Ricciardo will be driving for the AlphaTauri team. He drove for the team when they were known as Toro Rosso. That's how he got his start in Formula One. Then he moved on to Red Bull, had a stint at McLaren, a stint at Renault, and now he's back at AlphaTauri after missing the first 10 races of the season due to, well, lack of seats. And, well, at first, this might seem like, oh, okay, you just got a team replacing a struggling driver with a veteran to try to make something out of the season. But that's not the case. Because of how AlphaTauri is essentially the junior Red Bull team, you know, we don't think of Daniel Ricciardo as a junior by any means. He's been in the sport for well over a decade. But there is a lot of implications as to how Daniel is going to perform for the remaining, I believe it's 11 to 12 races of the season, and what that can mean for 2024 and onward. And what do I mean by that? We're talking about, of course, that second Red Bull C, which, of course, is never safe. Unless your name is Max Verstappen or you show you could take it to Max, that seat is not safe for anybody. So we're going to talk about all that right now. We'll dive a little bit into Nick DeVries. We'll cover that briefly. We'll talk about what Daniel needs to do. And of course, we'll talk about the the big elephant in the room, which is what's going to happen with that second Red Bull seat. But let's talk about Nick DeVries, which for a lot of people, myself included, going into this season, a lot of us saw Nick DeVries would perform fairly solid. You know, at the very least on the level, if not better than his teammate, Yuki Sonoda. While he's never ran a full Formula One season, and he still won't unless a team, uh, some other team on the grid, decides to boot one of their drivers out to bring in DeVries. But assuming that doesn't happen, DeVries will still never have completed a full Formula One season. But even then, he is enshrined in motorsport experience, if you will, at least single-seater motorsport experience. He's a Formula 2 champion. He's a Formula E champion. He knows how to run these open-wheel Formula cars. And let's not forget, last year, in the same type of regulations, he went into the Williams car. Or was it 2021? It was one of those two years. But nonetheless, he went into one of these cars and, you know, replacing Alexander Albon and, just straight up 
performed very well in that Williams and even managed to score points, something that his teammate at the time, Nicholas Latifi, would struggle to do on a near-season-to-season basis. DeVries did it in his first stint. So the fact that AlphaTauri gave him a, a contract to run this year, I don't think anyone was surprised. And frankly, a lot of us, myself included, thought that with the experience DeVries brought just in terms of motorsports as a whole, that would be able to fill in the lack of F1 experience that he had, that he did that he was missing, of course. But the fact that the season has gone so poorly, he's constantly getting beaten by his teammate Sonoda, though the margin has closed, albeit slightly. I mean, Yuki's constantly running anywhere from 17th to 20th. He's not even anywhere close to competing for points, or at least he wasn't. So it kind of makes sense as to why Red Bull decided to you know, kick up to the curb and in turn bring in Daniel Ricciardo. Now, of course, they said they had no intention of replacing Nick DeVries in the middle of the season. Same thing they said about Pierre Gasly back in 2019. And, of course, he ended up getting ditched for Alexander Albon, funny enough. So here's the funny thing in terms of we'll talk about Daniel Ricciardo now. Daniel Ricciardo had the chance to take this seat last year. I guarantee you, if Daniel said he would have wanted that AlphaTauri seat last year, DeVries wouldn't even be in the consideration for the running. So why is Ricardo taking this seat now? We'll get to that in a second, but first I want to talk about exactly what does Daniel need to do for the rest of the season? Because he's never ran this kind of car before. He's been on the sideline for, you know, the past 10 races. Well, yes, he's been in the simulator doing sim work, you can't really compare sim work to actually being on the racetrack. However, Daniel, like I mentioned before, does have over 10 years of experience, so he does bring that to the table. The question is, is it going to be able to really bring out the best out of that AlphaTauri car, which is easily the worst car in the grid? They're dead last in the standings. And yes, while Yuki has been solid, I mean, even Yuki's consistently running outside of the points nowadays, and this is considered an improvement year by most, myself included. So what does Daniel really need to do? I think if Daniel can score points in that AlphaTauri, I think that will be sufficient enough. Again, granted, because that AlphaTauri is the worst car on the grid, and it's harder to score points now than really in any other Formula 1 season as of late. I mean, look, you got Red Bull. You got Mercedes, you got Ferrari, but now you got Aston Martin. Those are the top four teams. So if you expect from the highs of Max Verstappen to the lowest of Lance Stroll, finishing first through eighth on a consistent basis, that only leaves two points, two point positions left, ninth and tenth. So, and you still got a lot of competitive cars in that midfield. You got McLaren, which if they perform like they did at the British Grand Prix, they might take that ninth to 10th spot. Alpine, while, yeah, they're constantly mid. I mean, mid still is good enough to get you points. Nico Hulkenberg in the Haas, he's been consistently running inside the points. And you can never count out the likes of Alfa Romeo, even though they haven't really been that good either. So Alfa Tari is really in, I'd say, a rock and a hard place. I'd say if Daniel can outperform Yuki, 
which I'll say this, it feels like Yuki really hasn't been performing as well as he did earlier in the season as he has now. I've been noticing a lot more mistakes from Yuki, a lot more 15th to 16th place runs, whereas before he was running, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th, that started to go down. And I think that's due with the fact that the Alpha Tari has constantly getting worse. So because of that, Yuki's trying to overcompensate for that, and he's, you know, making mistakes because of that. I mean, Yuki's been known as a rough diamond ever since he got into Formula One, so this doesn't really surprise me. So if Daniel can be a little more consistent than Yuki and run at least top 15, I'm talking 13th to 10th, I think that that will be a successful season for Daniel Ricciardo because we forget Daniel left Formula One really not on a good note. Two years in McLaren consistently getting outperformed by Lando Norris. I mean, yeah, he won a race for McLaren back back at the Italian Grand Prix back in 2021 and honestly just outright won, won the race straight up on pace. But, I mean, 2022 was arguably one of, if not his worst season in Formula One. So, not, you know, coming out of Formula One on a bad note, not racing for a couple races now, a couple months, He's not walk and racing for the worst team on the grid. He's not walking into the best situation that even he probably would want to. So I mentioned all this, and I mentioned it before, where I said that you know Daniel could have driven this car last year, but he chose not to. So what changed? Change of heart? Maybe more of a third change of seats in the next three years. And if what I'm sounding does what I'm saying doesn't make any sense, I'm talking about the opportunity to drive in that second Red Bull seat again. We all know the struggles for Sergio Perez this year. Yeah, he started off the season really hot. Two wins in the first four races was honestly, it looked like he'd at least somewhat challenge Max for the championship, or at least would keep Max honest. But really, for the past five, six races. Hasn't even breached Q3, constantly have to make drives through the field, and I believe only has one podium in the past five or six races. Again, this is in what theoretically should be the best car on the grid, and Sergio can't even qualify inside the top 10. And I know qualifying isn't everything. To me, it's more about where you finish rather than when you qualify, but we know how difficult it is to pass in Formula 1. So if you're starting 15th, what are the chances that you're really going to make it back up to second or first? Unless, of course, your name is Max Verstappen, but that's how just how good Max is. There's a reason we why we consider him the best driver in Formula 1 today. So Sergio is struggling in that Red Bull seat. And we know how Red Bull is with drivers who struggle. They have a very thin leash. And... Look, you got to give credit to Sergio Perez. He's done, contrary to what a lot of people might say in terms of Formula One, who are into F1. He's done a lot better than both Pierre Gasly and Alexander Albon have done in that Red Bull seat. You might be saying, oh, the qualifying gap is the same. Are you really going to try to convince the common folk or really anybody who has, you know, who knows what winning is that because Sergio's qualifying gap which most people can't even measure is discounts the five or six Grand Prix wins that he managed to achieve with Red Bull. I'm just, if any of you try to say that Sergio has been about the same as Albon and Gasly were at Red Bull, I don't, you're, you're watching something completely different because I would take the five Grand Prix wins that Sergio's gotten with Red Bull and being top three in points like he should be over 
oh, I'm within five-tenths of my teammate in qualifying where it doesn't even award points. But that's a discussion for another day. But Sergio's not doing that now. He's not contending for wins now. He's not even contending for podiums. And yes, qualifying matters. And like I mentioned before, because he's qualifying so bad, he's scrapping to get a top five. I don't even think he got a top five this week at the British Grand Prix. So Sergio is struggling. And while, yes, Max is just going to just walking away with the title, the title's basically already done. Red Bull's already wrapped up the Constructors' Championship. I talked about it in my last episode about Verstappen. The field is slowly starting to catch up to the Red Bulls. I mean, you saw it. Canada. Max, yes, he led every lap, but he only won by, I think, like nine seconds. And that's straight up on pace. The Austrian Grand Prix. Leclerc. Albeit off a strategy, I mean, he was close enough to at least take laps away from Max leading. So that's something to note. And then here you got the British Grand Prix where Lando Norris and McLaren were keeping Max honest. So the grid is slowly starting to catch up to Red Bull. And you're also seeing that with how poorly Sergio was qualifying. I mean, does it really, besides Austria, did it has it really looked easy for Sergio to work his way through the field? I mean, the British Grand Prix took him, what, like four or five laps just to get himself back into the points. So, and that's just five spots for what should be the fastest car on the grid. So, if Sergio is struggling, then what's going to happen, not for this year, because they're not going to replace Sergio by by this year unless he continues to struggle, and then he ends up finishing 11th to 12th on a consistent basis, then maybe. But what about 2024? Yes, Sergio has a contract, but Sergio Perez is, from experience alone, I mean, he's had contracts before, and they weren't honored. And Red Bull is probably the team that is most likely, we just saw with Nick DeVries, to you know, to basically say your contract means absolutely nothing. We will replace you whenever we see fit. So they've done it with DeVries, who struggled. While well, yes, Sergio Perez is a much, much more accomplished driver. If he's not delivering the results Red Bull expect, why should Red Bull hold on to him? In comes Daniel Ricardo. And Ricardo is a driver who we all know has ties with Red Bull. Again, seven of his eight Grand Prix wins have come driving a Red Bull. He has easily been the driver to consistently compete with Max. In fact, he's beaten Max, albeit that was in Max's early years. I don't think Daniel could beat the current state of Max, but he's had the best results when it came to going up against Verstappen than out of any driver. I mean, Albon's never beaten him. Gasly's never beaten him. Sergio's never beaten him. Daniel has. And if Daniel can find that form that he had when he drove for Red Bull, when he drove for Renault in 2020, and if he can deliver those results in the AlphaTauri this year, I can easily see Red Bull Racing telling Sergio, yeah, thanks, it was a nice couple years, but we're going to take our old guy back. And really, if they take Daniel back, I mean then your second seat is basically set because we know the flaws of Sergio and 
They're not going to put Sonoda in the car. I don't think he's ready. They're not going to put a rookie in the car because I don't think any rookie is ready. So you put a Ricardo who you already have knowledge and data on. So because of that, you kind of already know what you got. So if you're going to put Daniel Ricardo in the Red Bull, you got to assume it's going to be for the long haul because, again, you really have no other options. Now, there has been talk that Helmut Marco likes Lando Norris, and that could be an option. But Lando has a contract, I think, till 2025 or 2026. But like I mentioned before, Red Bull doesn't care about contracts. So this these final 11 to 12 races of the season are going to be really, really important for how the Red Bull market, if you will, is going to look, not just for next year, but for years down the line. Because I don't think Nick DeVries is getting another shot at F1. I think he's done. And if Daniel performs, do you really think Sergio Perez is going to want to go from the best car on the grid to the worst? We could potentially be seeing the last of Sergio Perez in Formula 1. I mean, the only chance I can think of that Sergio would stay in F1 is if he goes to like a Haas or if Aston Martin finally decide that we need to replace Stroll because he's not delivering the results and bring in Sergio Perez. But then again, they, they're they the ones that f- fired Sergio. So would Sergio really want to go back? So there's a lot riding on these last couple of races or these last couple of months for the Formula One season. How is Daniel going to perform in the AlphaTauri? How is Sergio going to perform? Because you got to think Sergio knows this, so he's probably going to have to up his game to an even higher level. Is he going to be able to do that? Because now with Daniel Ricciardo back on the Formula One grid, that officially means that Sergio Perez is on the hot seat. And we'll have to wait and see. Is Sergio going to get back to form? Is Daniel going to get back to form? Is AlphaTauri going to be able to you know, work their way back up the grid? We have a lot of questions now that need to be answered, and they can only be answered by continuing to watch the rest of the season and seeing how each driver performs. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, please like, share, and subscribe to the show. If you guys want to follow me on my socials, you can follow me on Twitter and TikTok at Motor Minister. And if you want to listen to the audio versions of these episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. You can find all our episodes on those major platforms. And thank you guys so much for tuning in as always. And we will see you in the next one.